Good morning, everybody. Those songs definitely bring back memories for me. Uh, It is great to be here. My name is Matthew Hawkins. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. And today, today, we're going to be talking about parenting um, according to uh, what the Bible teaches in Ephesians um, chapter 2. We can find um, some not only tips, but some truths that will transform um, our perspective. Um, Before I read Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 through 10, um, I I should say I'm super excited about tag teaming with Pastor Caleb. This is going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. And I have a, 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 a serious heart for parenting because I got four kids. And so I can't help but um, understand the importance and the weight of this topic. I've been married for 11 years and I've been a parent for 10. So um, that's all I know. And so it's a, a really challenging yet um, amazing opportunity to be a parent. For those who aren't necessarily parents, um, if you are guiding people or influencing people, a lot of what we're talking about today is extremely applicable to you, all right? Um, before I go any further, I got a story. When, when I was a new parent, um, 2008, 2009, um, brand new parent, I hated, absolutely hated changing diapers. It was the worst. Um, hated the smell of poop, hated having to wipe, um, hated having to ball up the diaper. And sometimes I would put it on the kitchen table. My wife would get angry, you know, (laughs) what are you thinking? I'm like, it's wrapped. The the diaper's wrapped. Calm down. You know, (laughs) um, hated it. And it wasn't until a month or so later that I got food poisoning for about two days. If you know anything about food poisoning, it can shut you down. Two days, I'm in the bathroom and I'm struggling, okay? I won't go any further down that road, but it's, it's tough, man. And the beautiful thing was my wife um, was, was just amazing. She came into the bathroom, one hand on her nose and the other hand, you know, with the uh, glass of ice water, what I requested, whatever I asked, she was just patient, she was kind, um, she was uh, uh, just beautiful, it was just awesome. And that reshaped my heart. It changed the way that I saw poopy diapers. <laughs> the smell didn't go anywhere, but my heart was different as I approached changing my kids' diapers because I saw my wife and her heart When I was in need, her love, her grace shown to me changed the way that I approached my own kid, and it gave me the fuel and the foundation that I needed to show love and grace as I wiped my kid's rear. (laughs) I said that to say my prayer is that we can reshape our hearts around parenting, around guidance, around leadership as we hear the truth of God's word and as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us. 
As I read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, follow along with me. There's some Bibles on the back walls. If, if you um, need um, a Bible, a written text, I invite you to get up even now to go get one, or you can follow along on the screen. It says, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. I'll stop right there for the sake of time. You can read further um, as I talk, as I preach here. There's a, a pretty cool story that illustrates this, and I'll tell it as fast as I, I possibly can. There are two guys riding in a car on their way um, to vacation. They're, they're going to meet the rest of their family. The driver does not believe that there is a ticking time bomb in the trunk. The rider, the passenger, is freaked out. They're nervous because they believe that there is, in fact, a ticking time bomb in the trunk. The fact of the matter is, there is a bomb in the trunk. The driver doesn't believe it. The rider does believe it. The police have been alerted, and they are on their way. And when the rider, when the rider, the passenger, sees the red lights flashing in the back, the rider gets excited. The rider is filled with joy because the rider believes that that is his salvation. That is going to fix the problem that he's experiencing. When the driver sees the red lights in the back, he gets frustrated because he feels like this is a waste of his time. He doesn't believe that there is a bomb, in fact, in the trunk. My prayer for you is that as you look in the rear view mirror of life, or as you look in this particular situation that you're in, that you will see the salvation of Jesus not as a burden, but as a blessing. That, that, that when you see Jesus, that when you hear about Jesus, when you hear about the gospel, that it won't be some burdensome thing that isn't real, that isn't true, but that this will be your very way out of a ticking time bomb in your heart. My prayer, whether you're a Jesus follower or you're not, is that you can consider the beauty and the blessing that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection brings to your life, the actual salvation of the Lord. As we think about parenting, 
So we think about what all this has to do, this passage, what this has to do with being a parent. I have to push, I have to stress to you the importance of understanding that death ruined us. You have to remember that you were ruined. Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2 says, it starts out, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I need you. I'm begging you to remember that at one point in life, you were ruined, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedience. We too all previously lived the way that we wanted to live and we were far disconnected from God. We were dead. Scripture teaches that the reason why we were dead is really simple. Because of one man, sin entered into the world. And when we disobey God, that is a beautiful avenue or, or a disgusting-looking avenue for death. When we say no to God, that produces death. When we reject life, it automatically says yes to death. Bible teaches in Romans 5 that by one man's sin entered into the world, and then it gives us some exciting news, by one man righteousness, a new opportunity, life came to us all. We had an opportunity to be rescued or saved. But the importance for me as a dad, the importance for you as a leader or a mom or a parent, the importance of understanding that you or to remember that you were ruined is massive. Why? Is that such a big deal, Matthew? Why do I need to remember that I was dead in my sin, in my trespass? Why do I need to remember that I missed the mark? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes as a parent, I think that I am the beautiful image of perfection. I think I do no wrong, I know no wrong. My law, my way is the way, the truth, and the life. And whatever I say goes. I often have this heart posture or, or this mindset that if you don't do what I say and, and if you don't go when I tell you to go and if you don't jump and, and, and say how high, there's going to be some problems up in here. I have to reshape my heart, I have to reshape my mind around the good news of Jesus Christ. And what is the good news? Well, number one, I was dead. And it was because of him, verse four, that rescued me. Not only should you remember that you were ruined, but secondly, you need to remember that you have been rescued. You have been rescued by a capable savior. No, you aren't the superhero of the story. There is a more capable superhero that looked beyond your faults and saw your need. What does it have to do with parents and man? Well, here's the good news. The good news is that he is the rescuer. 
that I am not the one that's able to rescue. No matter how strategic I am, no matter how, how, how organized I am, no matter how perfect I am as a dad, which I'm not, <laughs> he is the rescuer. He is the one that can actually make the change. There is nothing that can actually change the trajectory of my kid's life but by Jesus. I can't do it. Here's the truth. If it was good enough for me to be changed by his love and his grace, it's good enough for them to be changed by his love and his grace. If there's a massive need for me to be rescued, there's a massive need for them to be rescued. We know this, we know our kids are crazy. (laughs) We're very aware, you're not telling me anything new preacher, I know my kids are crazy. But where I get frustrated sometimes, where, where I lose sight sometimes, is who's the one that's doing the saving. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead, we were doomed before he showed up. Verse eight gives us our final point, and then I'm gonna high-five Caleb and get off the stage says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. My prayer for Matthew Hawkins and all leaders here and all parents here, my prayer, my plead with you is very, very simple. And you will understand that this works-based, goody-to-shoe-based, me-looking-good-and-sounding-good-based heart posture is not the Bible. It's not the truth. It's a lie. Because we all know, especially in recent news, we all know you can look good, you can sound good, you can smell good on the outside, But inside, it's going terribly wrong. This works-based, earn-it-based, do-what-I-say-based, and as long as you look good, and as long as I train you to be a a, a good, smart sinner, (laughs) then I'm happy. As long as I train you to be a smart sinner, and you do good in front of everybody, and you get into a good college, and you... You check all the boxes. As long as I feel good about you, then everything is good. We know that's a lie. We know that's not scripture. We know that's why Jesus came, because we couldn't get out of our own way. The gospel is the gospel because it took Jesus to hang on a cross, to take a punishment that we deserve, that we couldn't bear. And because he took the punishment that we could not bear, he is the superhero. And because he's the superhero, he's the only way, not just for a one-time salvation event, but he's the only way that this process is going to actually successfully happen. Minus Jesus, this doesn't work out day after day after day 
after day. There is no way without Jesus. There is no option without Jesus. There is no way for this to work without Jesus. Not only do we need to remember that we've been ruined, <laughs> not only do we need to remember that after we were ruined, we were rescued, but most importantly, we need to remember that all focus and all vision, and all energy, and all guidance needs to point to the Redeemer. Jesus is our Redeemer, not for once in a lifetime, back in 1980, back in 1990, when I gave my heart to Jesus. But every day I need to be sanctified. I need to be made over again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I cannot by myself Make something out of my kid that's going to last throughout eternity. I need the miracle worker to do a miracle in my little baby's life. I need a miracle. I don't know about you. I'm just talking about my family. But all four of my kids, Lord Jesus, need a miracle. And if somebody is picking up the phone asking for a miracle, my brother and my sister, we need a miracle worker. We don't need a fake miracle worker. We don't need a pseudo healer. We need the healer. I'll read it again and I'm going to high five you. Here it comes. <laughs> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Verse 12 pushes us not to forget that we have been rescued and that he is the redeemer. It pushes us to remember this. Parenting 101, remember that you needed to be saved. And it was because of his grace and his mercy that you are able to sit and stand where you are today. Now, what the heck does that have to do, practically speaking, from Monday to Friday? How do we do that? How does that actually look? I'm glad you asked. The bishop will tell you <laughs> that answer. Thank you, under bishop. <laughs> so uh, I desperately am in need of a savior. And Jesus Christ is my redeemer. He died, rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death. And I've given my life over to him. And he has given me and my wife three kids. And now I know I really, really need a savior. I don't know about you. 
I want to say a couple of things, and then we're going to talk about three ways that this uh, has at least uh, impacted my life and perhaps your life. Number one, uh, people will ask, uh, are you a family church at Desert Springs? No, we are not. I think they usually mean that the family is the center structure of the church, that everything is built around the nuclear family. And I'm here to tell you, we are not a family uh, church. We are a church family centered around Jesus. And so whether you got kids or you don't got kids, whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced, widow, widower, it doesn't matter. You're part of this family. But as a family, we have, now I need you to listen here, we have a corporate responsibility to ministering to future generations for Christ. And so if you don't have kids in your home, you ain't off the hook. In fact, I would argue that that idea that I have no responsibility for the children in my community is a Western individualistic, consumer-based, comfort-based idea where your kids are your problem and you know my kids are my problem or I ain't got kids so I ain't got no problems. Guess what? You got problems. Two, it is so good to be a part of an interwoven church family where some uh, are, where we're all at different stages. And moreover, I, 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 I plead with you to think through what Jesus is calling you to do as it relates to future generations. I know that from my family, so much of this is gonna be just my um, perspective, my take on how this has applied in my life and then sharing that with you, but uh, two things. One, sometimes the best thing that uh, a young family needs is someone to just hold their kid for an hour so that they can take a shower and drink a cup of coffee. Like if you think that you can't bless you, you're, you, like, please take my kids, like, just for an hour, just please, like, please, please. Uh, number two, one of, um, so my children, my wife and I, uh, we've got three kids. One of uh, the person, uh, one of the people that are in their life, that's shaping their life, that's helping parent them. Uh, is someone they call, it's my wife's very good friend, someone they call auntie, even though there's no blood relation. It's just, it's a friend, uh, but more than friend, she is family, and my kids call her auntie. And so they're being shaped, not just by my wife and I, and not just our immediate family, but our extended family, as well as our friends. So please, 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 I plead with you, do not buy into the individualistic, consumer-based idea that other people's kids are their problem, and I have no corporate responsibility for the raising of children in a community. If you call Desert Springs your church home, the children that are part of our church family, we have a responsibility to. Okay. Number two, one of the things for those of us that have children in the home that we're raising, there's a, we do not have here at Desert Springs the title children's pastor or youth pastor. And one of the reasons we choose not to use that language is because if you're the parent, you're the pastor. I mean, we're going to be there to help. We're going to be there to do fun stuff like Splash Camp. We're going to do Adventure Kids, and I, I love our teams that do that. We're going to do student ministries. But we want to make sure that, that we never confuse the issue. We never want to tempt parents to abdicating their responsibility for the development of their children and the spiritual nurturing of their children. We don't want them to abdicate that to a person who sees them one hour a week. Okay, here we go. By the way, I'm going to be in your neighborhood for most of this, uh, this second half of the sermon. So if you want to get the email started now, that would be fine. <laughs> Number one job of a parent or of an adult in the life of children, as we think about our responsibility, our responsibility to those children is to model Jesus for them. 
We're to model Jesus. So those kids, we think, what's my job? What's my number one job? It's discipleship. It's to model Jesus for them. So at the end of the day, if all you take away is this one application point, it's this. Whenever you're with kids, your kids, other people's kids, doesn't matter, ask yourself this question. How am I modeling Jesus to them right now? It's my job. Okay? So we're going to think about this primarily in three ways. Number one, discipline. Number two, identity. And number three, desire. Discipline, identity, desire. Number one, discipline. You see in verse three, it says that all of us are children under wrath, which sounds like a super cool heavy metal band, right? Like, we are children of wrath. (laughs) If that is true, the reason that that is true is because all of our hearts naturally, so to speak, tend to turn away from God and towards our own desires. The natural tendency or direction of the human heart is to make ourselves God. Pastor Matt said it so eloquently a moment ago. And so we see that in children as well. If you do not believe in the theological uh, truth of original sin, get around some three-year-olds. You will believe it. And I'll I'll show you, we don't teach kids how to sin. There's no like how to sin 101 class. They naturally sin. And all the parents said, man, you didn't teach them. Now you might have modeled it for them. (laughs) And so one of the questions that I would encourage you uh, is as you think about discipline, one, are you thinking in terms of discipline or punishment? You see, there's this thing, and, and remember I said, I'm coming to your neighborhood, so here we go. There is a thing that I hear people say, I've said it. I have said it many times. My children will disobey me. How dare they? My children will disobey me, and I'll say, your punishment is. Now, the reason that I tend towards that is because I have been sinned against. You've embarrassed me in public. You have confronted me, three-year-old. You have argued with me, the king and creator of this home. You have, uh, you have assaulted me and who I am. And so I, being a lover of justice, will punish you. That is the tendency of my heart. But the scripture teaches, vengeance is mine, saith the... I will repay. I don't need to execute punishment in order to get justice when my kids sin. My role as a parent is to discipline, not punish. And discipline is making straight, pointing them towards the straight path. And let me just ask you to consider this. For those of you that have kids around, do you desire behavior modification or righteousness? Do you desire behavior modification or a heart connected to Jesus? Let me tell you that you can live your life doing all the right things and obeying all the rules and be far from God. You guys know that that's true? It's the American gospel. If I die, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. So for those of us that are parents, what do you desire more, behavior modification or a heart connected to Jesus? We can raise accidentally legalists who think that if they obey all the rules, then God will love them. 
When it comes to discipline with our children or the children in our lives, one of the best things we can do is explore the heart reason. A great question to ask kids is why? Sally hits Susie. Sally, why did you hit Susie? Because she took my, what? What's the thing now? Furby? What's a Furby? What's a thing? Is that a thing? She took my iPad. She took my my gold-plated iPad. Okay. You're four. Okay, so who's the, who's the, who am I talking to? Susie or Sally? I forget. Sally, Sally's on the hot seat. Okay, so Sally, why did you hit Susie? She took my iPad. Okay, how did that make you feel? It made me mad. Why did it make you mad? Because that's mine. Where did you get it from? Or how did you come to the gold-plated iPad? Well, you gave it to me as a gift. Okay, so, and what do we tell, and why did you feel that way? So, and here's another thing that would be great during times of correction. Daddy gets mad too. Because if what Pastor Matt said, and it's in Ephesians 2, if that's true, which it is, then all of the sins I see in children, my children, the children around me, I am completely and utterly guilty as well. Oh, you, you're being arrogant? <laughs> I'm a pro. You should talk to me for some tips. Oh, you're being, you're, you're being, you're, you're having rage. Guess who's really good at that? In fact, I, one of the most frustrating things about my kids is they keep uh, exhibiting my besetting sins back to me. In fact, it's probably why instead of longing for their flourishing, more often than not, I'm just angry at them. Because I'm angry at the end of the day for the sin I see in them because it points to the sin that's still in me. And so when we discipline, we point them not be a good little boy or girl, but we point them to Jesus. We, we help them to explore, why does your heart long for these things? And at the end of the day, the thing that needs changing ain't the attitude or the behavior. The thing that needs changing is the heart, which, P.S., you can't do. And so we've got to point them to Jesus. We have, when we discipline, we point them to Jesus. There's an interesting thing I hear people say. Uh, I've said it before, so if you've said this or if you continue to say it, I'm not trying to you know, throw shade, but I, I've heard people say, you know, I want to maintain my child's innocence as long as possible. I want to maintain my child's innocence as long as possible. And I, I just, I'm here to tell you, they ain't. Now, if what you mean by that is I want to protect them, I want to keep them safe, I want to help, I want to help guide them and shape them, I'm totally on board with that. But be careful. It, 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 we may fall into the trap of thinking that our children are somehow innocent. Hang around with some three-year-olds and you tell me if they do not need a new heart. Just, just like I do. Number two, identity. We are by God's grace, verse five, we are by God's grace, his children. Love and acceptance is a gift, not a payment. What's that word up there? G-R-A-C, what's that spell? Grace. It is by God's grace that we're saved. He loves us because of his, we're called his children because of his, okay, he calls us into his kingdom because of his, and so if I can just do enough good, would Let me ask you this question. In light of that truth, is there enough good things that I could do to make God have to love me? Okay, watch when you're with kids. Watch. Be very careful. 
Santa Claus is a legalist. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. And he knows when you have been bad or good. So, be good. For goodness sake. <laughs> He's watching. How do we earn Saint, uh, old St. Nick's love? By living 364 days doing enough good to get me on the what? The good list. But if I do a naughty, what list am I on? You're a bad little boy. That's what bad little boys do. You're a naughty little girl. That's what naughty kids do. What is that? That is an identity-shaping statement. For if you say to a child, you're a bad little boy, you're a naughty little kid, you have just spoken truth, a false truth, by the way, but you have just spoken a truth in their lives that will shape their identity. Now, to say, you and I, we are all broken in need of a savior, is that true? Yeah, it's true, and it's good to say. But if Ephesians 2 is true, which it is, then we are by God's grace his children, and our love, his love cannot be earned. And moreover, for those of us that are parents, we must never give the impression that our love can be earned. At discipline, it's especially important to say these types of things because we're generally bringing pain into a child's life. And so one of the things, and I've, I've taken this, somebody gave this to me, and I try to do this with my kids. Um, I don't generally do it, but I try. We sit them down, or I sit them down, I say, I know you. And you are loved by God, and you are loved by me, and nothing you could ever do will change that. And God has made you loving, and God has made you powerful, and God has made you smart. But you are using, right now it sounds to me that you've used that power, you've used those smarts, not to show love, but to hurt. And that's not who you are, and that's not how God has made you to be. And if you continue down this path, away from who God has made you to be, it will not only hurt others, it will destroy you. And so here is the discipline. As opposed to, knock it off, you bad little boy. Do you see? Which one of those two will lead to flourishing? if the Lord should bless it. And it's excellent to say, Daddy does it too, and Daddy needs Jesus too. So let's pray together that he would give us the strength. Number three, desire. First our discipline, then our identity, then our handling of desire. We are God's workmanship for good. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Your children, the children in your lives are God's workmanship. So let me ask you this question. You got kids, you got grandkids, you got nieces and nephews, you got kids in your life. What are your dreams for them? Pause. Ask yourself this question. Are they in line with God's design for them? Or, to put it a little more tersely, are your dreams for your children or the children in your life shaped more by an individualistic, consumeristic culture 
or are they shaped by the gospel? Now, I need you to listen to me here. I need you to listen real careful to what I say, because you may get the, the wrong impression if we're not listening careful. So I'm going to speak very carefully. Jesus calls us to raise citizens of the kingdom of God, not slaves to the American dream. Do that one more time. Jesus calls us to raise and develop and disciple citizens of the kingdom of God, not slaves to the American dream. It may be that the workmanship of God, and namely the children in your life, that he has for them not a life of comfort. It may be that his design for them is not uh, an easy retirement. It may be that his design for them is contrary to the things that you're dreaming for them. A car, a house, college, retirement, a spouse and a couple of kids and a little dog. It may be that God's design for them has nothing to do with everything I just mentioned. Are your dreams for the children in your life in line with God's design for them as his workmanship. For we can find a house and a car and retirement and a spouse and a couple of kids and a dog and still be dead inside. Some of the ways that we can live that out, I would encourage you, if you've got younger kids, there's a book, and we, we give it out here at Child Dedications, called the Jesus Storybook Bible, Helping Our Children Connect to God's Big Story and Picture. Second thing I would encourage you to do is, uh, this is from Andy Stanley. He says this, that the questions that you frequently ask reveal your, va- your values. So if you want to know what you value, look at the questions that you ask. And the children in your life, the questions that you're asking them are communicating to them what you think is valuable. I'll give you some of the questions I frequently ask. Is your room cleaned up? I don't even go in their room half the time. I don't care. Is your room clean? Usually what I mean by that is, did you obey me? Number two, did you do your schoolwork? But when I reflect, one of the questions that I'm not asking frequently enough for me is, have you shown sacrificial love? How have you forgiven someone who's wronged you? For at the end of the day, when my children leave my home, I don't care about a clean room more, I do care about a clean room, but not more than I care about forgiveness, grace, and love as seen in and through them. And so watch the questions that you're asking. And number three, encourage the good work that God has for them. Uh, Even things where we're sending the team this November down to uh, Rocky Point to build a home. Uh, My wife and I are trying to live this out. We're gonna be taking our kids. Uh, We may not take the baby, but we want to show them, look, this is some of the good work. Some of you have taken kids down to soup kitchens. You've done things together in your community and in your neighborhood to serve. That's good. How are you encouraging the good work that God has for them? Now, as a church family, we uh, strive to support and resource 
uh, for you. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you, uh, we could put it up here on the screen. We have a variety of classes and groups, study groups coming up this fall called Parent Talk. And if you uh, have kids or teenagers in the home that you are uh, raising, ministering to, uh, and you want more information on the upcoming talks, you can text your name and email address to that number. We do stuff like how to engage with technology. We talk about how to talk to kids about sex and abuse and sexuality. We talk about things uh, that are much more personal, like my child's dealing with an abuse in the background or substance abuse and things like that. And so if you're interested, please text your name and email to that. We'll send you the information that we got coming up as well as hear back from you on uh, just how we can better serve and bless you. Number two, uh, we've got a, a variety of resources. We can put that slide up there with the website. We have a variety of resources available to you. One, if you go to that website there, we've got a ton of books available uh, uh, by means of recommendation for you. And here's the other thing too is we have access to hundreds of studies uh, and conference material, videos, and things like that. As a church, it's something we've uh, purchased, and you uh, have access to that for free. And so if you would like access to some of those parenting resources or other resources, you can go to that website, and there's instructions there on how you can get a hold uh, of that uh, information. There's a lot of great material there available to you, and we want to make that available to you because we want to partner with you as you minister to future generations for Christ.